the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. about murder and we do a little bacon too we, that's what we do and we have a little chit chat little chit chat sometimes there's a shenanigan or two maybe sometimes mm-hmm. not all the time mm-hmm. but sometimes mm-hmm. so i mean yeah i'm all about it so today i'm going to tell you what i'm making oh let's hear i'm making bananas foster i couldn't be happier it's so exciting i love a bananas foster i do too i really enjoy it. and i don't typically like it's weird i like banana bread and i don't like a banana muffin Right. I don't like a banana cake. No. But I'll eat a little bit of banana pudding the first day it's made. Right. Now, I will eat that, that Paula Deen, not your mama's banana pudding until the cows come home. That stuff is so freaking good. I mean. But it's more about the butter cookies that you put in it than anything else. I think so, too. But, like, the regular Nilla. Nilla wafer. wafer one that, yeah. That's, that's not my cup of tea. That one's too pudding-y. Pudding-y. The, yeah. the other one's got cream Pudding. cheese in it, so it's not that pudding-y texture. Yes. So, anyway. Um, so, tell me. You had a lot of bananas to cut. How did you cut all those bananas Let so fast? Let me just freaking tell you. So, there's this awesome kitchen hack on Alexa. And when you, at, when you load this skill into your app called How to Slam the Kitchen, we get some awesome kitchen tips. And but only if you say, Alexa, play my flash briefing. So I had five bananas that I needed to slice and I wanted to do it quickly because normally five bananas would take me about, I don't know, a minute a banana. Right. But in this super duper easy way that I found out from this great kitchen hack app. So we took a, a banana cooling rack. Oh, yeah, it was a cooling rack. It was a cooling rack um, that has just the slats going one way on it, not the squared off ones like the Pampered Chef ones. And I peeled half of one half of the banana. So one side was peeled, one side wasn't. And I flipped it onto the rack with the peel side up, using the peel side to press down evenly. And all of the banana slices fell right through those little bars. And voila, it took me 30 seconds instead of 
Um, I mean, I think it took me 30 seconds to do all five bananas. Right. Yeah, it was really quick. Instead of 30 seconds to do a banana. Yeah. So Way I to slay in the kitchen. Way to slay in the kitchen. And I didn't have to worry about cutting my fingers. That's right. So, And they made even slices, which is even better. Right. It's perfect. It's crazy. And honestly, if you were doing something where you needed your bananas cut into long strips. Yeah, that would work too. That would be perfect. It would be. So anyway, just saying, there's a really great Alexa app out there. If y'all would just get it and then ask it to play your flash briefings every day, you'd be amazed. You would be. So, All right, so there you go. What else? Yes. What are you going to do with those bananas? Going to make bananas foster. Right. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to add it. I'm going to put it with some dark brown sugar, some butter, some vanilla, and some rum. And then I'm going to light that mother on fire. That's awesome. Because I love fire. Yeah. And then um, that, and it's going to caramelize and blah, blah, blah. It's going to make bananas foster. And then once we have that, I have some vanilla ice cream we can put it on top of. And when it's ready to taste. That makes me happy. Or we could drink it. We could just drink it. We drink it? I don't think it's really drinkable. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you do you, I'll do me. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> really easy guys um if you need the recipe just email us and we'll get you the recipe but this is a really cool thing to use like if you're making pancakes and you want like a different kind of pancake mix um make some bananas foster put it in the fridge take about i don't know like three heaping tablespoons of it and blend it into your pancake mix and it will zhuzh up your pancakes. Well, I love a zhuzh pancake. Yeah, yeah. So you could do that. You could, um, I mean, you could put it on a waffle. Oh, that would be delicious. Warmed up on a waffle. Like, I mean, we should try it all the ways. Do you? So <laughs> you now. I do. Yeah, so there's a lot of different things you can do with Bananas Foster. You can even um, just get a basic muffin mix and then put a little bit of this in the batter and just you know, come out with a banana foster or just get a vanilla cupcake mix. Oh, yeah, that'd and, be good, And make too. your vanilla cupcakes and then put this in there and just increase the cooking time for a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure there's a rum icing recipe that you could find. Ooh, or just pour some rum, rum on it. There you go. <laughs> Soak it. Soak it. So that. that's what I'm going to be doing over here. All what right. What you be doing over there? I've got a story to tell. A murder. <laughs> story of a murder. A murder. Oh, heavens to Betsy. So this one happened in the Florida Keys. And okay. then I'm going to tell you the name of the place because um, I'm not especially familiar with it, but it's a very big place if you like to flap wings. Uh -huh. And it's called Tavernier, Tavernier Keys. Okay. Um, don't ask me anything about Let's it because I didn't look it up. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to talk about a murder there. And then we've got some other, we've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff that's happened. And so we'll catch you guys up. Maybe in between murders. In between murders. So you don't yes. miss anything. We won't save we it all. We don't want you to miss a thing. No. All right. So here we go. I'm going to tell my story. You get to cooking. All right. Yes, ma'am. Susan MacGyver. And these are the MacGyvers. M-A-C-I-V-O-R. I love that name. I don't know why, but I think it's so cool. MacIver. Okay. Susan, she went by Missy, but I call her Susan in this um, story because... It seemed more serious. I don't know. I don't know. I just called her Susan. I'm going to call her Susan, okay? Just call her whatever So she want. didn't show up for work on August 22nd, 1991. Her co-workers called the house and tried to reach Susan's husband, Michael. They didn't get any answer. They didn't have any luck trying to find him or where he was. So when they didn't have any luck, they thought maybe something bad had happened to Susan. 
Uh, she was eight months pregnant. Her co-workers decided to head over to the MacGyver home. Mm. And there had been a really bad tropical storm that passed through the night before. So they thought, you know, what if they don't have power or trees yeah. come down? You just never know. There's a lot going on with those So you got to check on your friends when that happens. Yes, always so check on your friends. Her co-workers knock on the door. There's no answer. They check with the neighbors. The neighbors hadn't heard from them or seen them. And then they called the police. And that's kind of a little bit of a conflicting story. There's... There's one thing that I read that said the neighbors and the co-workers knocked the door down. Another one said they waited for police to come. So somewhere in between there is, the, is what really happened. Exactly. <laughs> so the police get there. They break down the door. They start to search the house. And they find there had been a struggle in the living room for sure. As they start to look around the room, they find Michael. He's in a t-shirt and underwear. He had masking tape wrapped all around his face. Only part of his nose was exposed. Oh, my God. He had bruising on his neck and blood around his nostrils. Oh, my gosh. Police continued through the house, and they found Susan in the master bedroom. Her body was naked. Oh. There was a belt around her wrists, a belt, masking tape, and clothesline around her ankles. And her ankles and wrists were bound together. She had basically been hogtied. <gasps> and she's pregnant. A tie and a sash Smooth. were wrapped around her neck, and her eyes were covered with masking tape. Her nightshirt and underwear were found in the bed comforter. It was clear the nightshirt had been ripped off her body, and her underwear had been cut. A luma light showed semen stains on Susan's body and on the sheet. A 22 caliber shell casing was found in the bedroom, and there was a bullet hole in one of the bedroom curtains, but nobody, neither of the victims had bullet wounds. Oh. The sliding glass doors in the bedroom were opened. The police continued their search of the house. They found the sliding glass doors in the guest bedroom were also opened. They found a ladder propped up against the house near the guest room balcony. What and the clothesline on that balcony had been cut and pieces were missing. Police also saw that the phone lines to the house had been cut. The medical examiner confirmed that both Susan and Michael had been strangled to death. The semen on Susan and the bed sheets did not belong to Michael. Susan had been raped. DNA from the crime scene was put into the database, but there were no matches found. Wow. Susan and Michael were very well liked, so friends and family couldn't imagine who on earth would do this to them. Seriously. Yeah. They had moved to Tavernier, Florida, because Mike was in the aviation business, and this was the home to a lot of pilots and aviators. Okay. Investigators looked into the possibility that Michael had been involved in some shady business with his planes uh -oh, because he traveled to Central America frequently. Michael was on the up and up, so they kept digging to try and figure out who murdered the MacGyvers. Gosh. Susan was an elementary school teacher and didn't seem to have any enemies. From the start, investigators focused on Michael as the target. They looked into possible drug cartel involvement. Um, every theory that they came up with was a dead end. And after years of dead ends, investigators finally bring in a profiler from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. She takes a look at the full case file and says that investigators have been focusing on the wrong target. What? They said Michael, she said Michael was not the target. Um, they should have been focusing on Susan. Get out! Michael had been strangled and died quickly, whereas Susan had been raped and tortured before she died. Oh, wow. This changed everything. She also said that the murderer would be someone that possibly had a history of burglary 
just by looking at how the crime scene laid out and how somebody broke into the house, cut yeah. the phone lines. Like, this wasn't somebody... It doesn't seem like it was random. It was planned. Right. And somebody that has done it before. Right. So, um, police go back to the MacGyver family and friends, and they start asking, you know, was Susan involved with someone? Is there anyone that had expressed a romantic interest in her? And nobody could think of anything, but Susan's sister-in-law did tell police that the day before the murder... Susan had stopped off at the gas station, the Amico station, right up the street from their house. And the attendant at the gas station had really creeped her out and had creeped her out many times before. But this instance in particular got really bad and she had to get really forceful what? in turning him down because he was persistent in trying to ask her out. She's, she's a pregnant woman. I know. And it made her learn to sort of pump her gas. Right. And it made Susan feel really, really uncomfortable. You know what? That irritates me that a woman can't go pump her damn gas without some predator. I know. Gosh. It's ridiculous. So the man who hit on Susan, his name is Thomas Overton. Okay. A well-known burglar in the area. Oh, a burglar. As a matter of fact, Thomas Overton had been a suspect in a murder that happened the year before the MacGyvers were murdered. A 20-year-old girl had been dropped off at the movies by her dad. Thomas Overton happened to be working at that movie theater at the time. The girl had mentioned to her father that Overton really creeped her out, but didn't make a big deal of it. The girl never came home from the movies and was later found dead in the woods behind the theater. Oh, no. So police interviewed, they interviewed him after that murder, but there was no evidence to tie him to, the, to that girl's murder. Uh-huh. So police interviewed Overton again in 1993 about the MacGyver. So he says, well, I don't have anything to do with it. And they say, great, can you give us a DNA sample? He said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. But I'm telling you, I'm good. I'm good. I, I have nothing to say. I mean, my word is golden, man. Yeah, dudes. So uh, police didn't have a choice. They had to let him go. They just had to let him go. But they decided that they would watch him. He was now on a watch list. So there was always somebody watching him. We are looking at you, buddy. And he committed a few crimes here and there along the way, but there was never enough evidence to get him in. So they waited and they waited. And finally, in 1996... A friend of his um, tipped the police off that he was going to rob a place. And the police set up a sting mm -hmm. and they caught him, not for the burglary, but for having a gun. And he was a felon. And felons aren't allowed to have guns. Oh. So this was a good reason for them to We're arrest him. We're going to get you. So they arrested him and took him to jail. Again, asked him for a DNA sample. Now, this is back in 1996. Now they don't have a choice. They have to give the DNA sample. But in 1996, the prisoners had a choice. Yeah. And you didn't have to give a DNA sample unless it had something to do with the case you were in jail for. And he was on jail on a gun violation. Yeah. Um, so they, they, didn't, they couldn't get it from him. But while he was in custody, he attempted to commit suicide. He actually oh. cut his own throat. He was thinking that he would get transferred to a different facility maybe and, you know, whatever. They would forget about the whole DNA thing. <laughs> but instead, police were able to get blood from towels that they used to stop the bleeding. What and they sent that soul. off. Right. They sent that off for testing. I know. I'll, I'll try to kill myself and then they, they'll forget that they, they wanted my never DNA. Never mind the DNA. Right. Never mind that Dude, you're going to spill your DNA all over the jail. Yeah. Oh my God. So, um... 
the DNA that they collected from the towel wasn't enough to get a full DNA profile, but it was enough to get a court order for a full DNA sample. Okay. So while he was in hospital custody, recovering from his throat slashing, they took his DNA and they sent it off and he was a match. Oh my gosh. Like one in four trillion times a match. No question about it, he was a match. So they arrested him for the murder of Susan and Michael and their unborn child, a baby boy. Oh my God. At the trial, the prosecutor has the DNA evidence, and they also have two witnesses who testified against Overton. One witness told jurors that Overton had confessed to committing the burglary in what he called a wealthy neighborhood in the Keys. And then Overton further explained that he actually had to waste someone during that robbery um, in the Keys. Oh, gosh. He described the tools that he used, the way he got into the house, and all of that matched what police had discovered at the MacGyver house. Yeah. So that was a good witness to have. The second witness was somebody that Overton had met in jail. And you know, I don't know, they just love to talk if they just sing they their do. songs they get like little birds. They just, they sing like canaries. They can't, they just can't they keep can't it quiet. They can't help themselves, it's an ego they thing. They cannot keep it quiet. No. So I'm gonna tell you, exactly how Overton describes what what happened. What, and this man actually, <clears throat> excuse me, told the jurors what had happened. So he goes to the MacGyver house. He says he's dressed in all black with a mask and gloves. Mm -hmm. He cut the phone wires. He leaned a ladder against the balcony. That made some noise and a light came on inside the house. So he waited 20 minutes before he entered the house. He climbed up the ladder. He reached the balcony, cut the clothesline, popped the sliding glass doors off the runners in the guest bedroom, and entered the house. He walked through the house and saw the MacGyver sleeping. He continued to walk around the house, and at one point he heard a noise, and he looked up to see Mr. MacGyver walking to the kitchen and opening the refrigerator. And Mr. MacGyver must have sensed that something was wrong because he began to look around and Overton panicked. How scary is that? Wow. He got up to get something from the fridge and then got a creeped out feeling. Oh, oh my God. Where's your lighter? Oh, it's over here in this little container. Um, you see where the Sharpies are? Yep. You see it? I do. Thank okay. You very much. So he comes in and he grabs Mr. MacGyver from behind, hits him in the head with a pipe from something he found around the house. Mr. MacGyver was not rendered unconscious immediately so he hit him in he hit him with his fist to knock him out at this point michael runs out of the bedroom and overton chases him back into the bedroom wow miss macgyver susan comes uh -huh. out of the bed she's awoke awakened now from all of the commotion commotion he she comes out sees what's happening and um her husband's now unconscious oh my god she must have been scared to freaking death. Overton, who's somebody she probably, well, he probably had on his mask, so she didn't know who he was at this point anyway. Right. He ties her up and tries to talk to her, telling her that if she would just cooperate, nobody would get hurt. Which is not always the truth. Right. But they say cooperate. But I think from her voice, she recognized who he was, and she told him, I know who you are. Uh-oh. <laughs> and at that point, 
he was worried that she was going to she ID was going to ID him, and he could he could tell that Michael was coming too. He wasn't oh. dead; he was just unconscious, right? Right. So, he, but he's tied up, Susan. So he goes back to the living room. He puts a sock in Michael's mouth, and then he puts masking tape all around his head. He so didn't. Rude. His rationale. This is why he. This is what he told told the witness, and what the witness is telling the jurors. Right. The reason that he put the masking tape all around, including over his eyes, is because he was concerned that when he went to kill Michael, that his eyes would pop out. What? And that's why he put the, the tape over. Oh, because I don't want to get grossed out. Exactly. I don't want to be it does, I don't, I, I don't want to be grossed out when I kill this guy. Right, right, right. Ooh, ooky, icky. But, so but everything else gross. I'm doing is perfectly fine. But he's, that's he's the one thing he I knew can't that do. His nose was gonna bleed. Oh my god. Because obviously he'd done this before, but he didn't want the eyes to pop out. What a what a he's a monster. I know. So then he goes back to the bedroom and rapes Susan. Then he strangled her because he didn't want to leave any witnesses. And then at some point, this is the worst part of the whole thing that the jurors had to hear. At some point, he saw movement in Susan's stomach, placed oh. his hand on her belly to feel the fetus move. And then he went to the living room and saw that Michael was becoming conscious. And he kicked him in the stomach and then strangled him until he died this time. Oh, my God. Right. So... It just is so... He is a monster, and I, 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 I... He is evil. He's just pure evil. He is pure evil. Um, the, the bullet, for some reason, had nothing to do with him. So we, we still don't know... Oh. What, what about the bullet? I, that didn't... It just didn't come in so he, play he, at all. So he didn't have a gun with he him? He didn't have a gun with him. He was just a burglar. He used his hands to do his dirty work. That's weird. Yeah. So everything goes to the jurors. On February 10th, 1999, the jury founds, founds, founds. They found him. They found him. It's our way of speaking, and you all just need to accept <laughs> that it's the new way. Yeah, look it up in our dictionary. It's right it's there. In the sugar-coated murder dictionary. Duh. Founds. <laughs> Dude. He's found guilty of first-degree murder of Susan, first-degree murder of Michael, Guilty of killing the killing of an unborn child. Oh, nice. Guilty of burglary of a dwelling and guilty of sexual battery involving serious physical force. On March 18, 1999, he was sentenced to death for Susan's murder, death for Michael's murder, 15 years for the death of the child, life for the burglary, and life for sexual battery. So... You're you're done. And then in April of 1999, he files his first appeal. The court affirmed that the conviction and the sentence were good to go. And that was in 2001. He since filed multiple appeals. I'm all of sure. Which have been I'm sure. Probably blaming Susan for the whole thing. Yeah. And she the last it. one I saw was in 2012. No, it's all about how the case was handled. It's not about his innocence. It's all been about how the DNA was handled. Of course. He said um, the DNA they found that the investigator caught up with his ex-girlfriend and got semen in a condom and took it to the crime scene. Whatever. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. It's a, oh, it's a he's waste. He's just grasping at straws, and it's a waste of it's court a waste. time and court it's money. It's a waste. But here's the thing. You know, he was convicted in 1999. It's 2021. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? 
What are we doing? Like, go. It's time to go. It's time to get him off of death row and go. What state is he in? Florida. They're usually pretty good about so, getting rid of him. But if he's still appealing, then until imagine. it goes all the way to the, the state Supreme, Supreme Court, Court and they say your appeals are done, yeah. then he's going to... And that's another way to prolong his life is just to keep appealing shut. That's true. And the last... The last execution of a death row inmate in Florida was in 2019. And that inmate had been on death row 34 years. Yeah, maybe so they're not so quick. Florida might not be in the, in the, we're moving real fast, real fast to get our people off the death row. Wow. But uh, yeah, that was a crazy story. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons that, that I picked that murder. Because I want to tell people that for a while, when we first started this podcast, I had a part-time job at a grocery store. And I had a customer come in, and he seemed like the nicest guy to everybody. He would come in, and he would buy a lottery ticket, and he would always say, okay, I'm going to sign it, now you sign it, and then if I win, I'll come back, and we'll turn it in together, and I'll get you out of here. And at first, you know, you're thinking, ha, 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 that's really funny. And then after a while, it's like, no, thank you. I don't want to sign the ticket anymore. I don't want to be part of whatever. I don't sign that ticket. Right. Whatever thing you're doing, yep. I, I don't want to be part of it. And from there, it went to if I was not behind the customer service desk, he would come behind me and play with my hair. That's so creepy. And at that point, I told my manager, I'm no longer comfortable. And I had to take it all the way to human resources because nobody would listen to me. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to know, be careful what you're giving out to people in the public. Poor Susan had written a check at the gas station, which back in the that, 90s that was, was a thing to do. But think about when you write a check to somebody. It's got your address it's on got it. It's got your address on it. Yeah, That's how he knew address. where to go. Yeah, that is so scary. So, um, and you know, grocery stores can be the same way. Yes. And it could, not, it could be you as the customer or it could be you as somebody working in that store. So you just have to be careful. And if you ever get a creeped out feeling about somebody, listen to your creeped out feeling. Yeah, and here's the thing. If you go to a gas station and the gas station attendant creeps you out, don't go back Find a to different that gas, gas station. station. If you have to drive out of your way 20 minutes, yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah. Because you just back when we lived in Lesby, I found out that there was a gas station attendant that was on the sex offenders list. And he was working at that gas station that we went to. All freaking time. And you can find that information, folks. Yes. You can find now, the especially these in days. The area. Especially these days. Right. Back in 1999, it wouldn't have been as easy, and he wouldn't have been on the list. No. I mean, they didn't have a they didn't have a chance. They didn't have no, a chance. Once he zeroed in on her, it was that all was over, it. It was and over. that's what's so scary. Right. So I agree. We have to learn to trust our instincts because even in this day and time. Women are still preyed upon. They are. And they can and, it's, people and I'm that, not saying that men aren't and children aren't. They everybody is, but women we are preyed upon by these predatory men who don't take no for an answer and they think it's okay. And so that is, you have got to have your sensories heightened every time you walk out your door. And nobody listened to me at the grocery store because it the managers all said, "I he seems harmless to me. And I, I said, person. people who rape, people don't do it because they're in love with them or want to date them. They do it because they want to dominate them. Not only so, that, but the man is not going to come out and show his the worst side of, of his personality not. to of the public. Not. 
he's going to show his best side. Right. But and that's what people do. I mean, I ran into a situation in my lifetime where there was a situation and nobody wanted to believe me because the person on the other side of that situation was the uh, president of their youth group at a church. Right. Uh, sorry. I mean, that's great, but, you know, you, it doesn't matter. There, right. there, there are all sorts of signs to people. We all are, are multi-faceted, multi-personality people. That's we who are. we are. Yeah. So anyway, I, when I read this story, I immediately thought of that time. I I don't work at that store anymore. I, I got to a point where I just, there was too much anxiety for me. And to be honest with you, and you know this, and I don't share with a lot of people, but I experienced a lot of PTSD with the trauma associated with not being listened to, um, being treated differently when the man would come back into the store because they did not trespass him from the store. They just made it so I didn't have to wait on him. Right. But that meant I had to go hide somewhere while he was in the Which store. Which is ridiculous because and that turns you already into his victim. Exactly. Exactly. And that's then not women are not victims. We should not have to be victims. We shouldn't have to be. So I thankfully I got a new job and I didn't have to work both. Yeah, and anymore. I think that's that a but lot of that was God's intervention. I agree. Because when it happened, it was at the height of all of that stuff. You were at a very heightened level of anxiety, and then swoom, everything just kind of boom, 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 fell into place and it you were did. able to get the hell out of it. And it there. took me a, a solid year probably almost a year and a half before I could physically walk back into that yeah, store. For fear that he'd be in there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Except so, if we had walked in there and he had been in there and, and we were together and and you no longer have on that uniform, uh, girl. I know. It might have been saying, a different situation. Girl. Yeah. Because you can't. Once you, at your work, you, you want your company to protect you. And I'm not saying that the grocery store didn't protect. I just don't think that they did as good a job as they should I don't think that they do. were understanding the um, seriousness of the situation. Right. The potential. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there in case somebody was having a similar situation. Yeah. You, you don't know what people are going and through. And listen, if there's somebody in your line, your pathway every day that's creeping you out, tell people. Tell somebody. Tell, 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 tell. Because the more people know, the more people can support you and get behind you and say, you don't have to put up with this stuff. Let's do something different. Or, hey, I'll walk in there with you. Right. I'll take care of that mother. Right. You know? I, and there, and the um, poor Susan. I mean, this happened in 1991. It wasn't until 1996 that they even figured out who it was. And it was because a relative remembered, oh, yeah, there was this one guy that really creeped her out. And then everything popped wide open. Yeah. So tell somebody, don't keep it Don't keep secret. it a secret. Share it. Yeah, even if it's somebody that everybody knows and everybody thinks, oh, gosh, you just need to say, you know what, there's something goes on. There's a vibe that I get from that person that makes me uncomfortable. Right. It doesn't mean you're acute. You're you don't have to accuse them outright of anything. No, no. But just you get to them, tell. Get them you got to talk about it. Talk about it. We'll we'll come up with something better than that. Okay. All <laughs> right. So it that smells could be the new campaign. Yeah. <laughs> for anti-violence. <laughs> talk, 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 talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. So bananas foster. It's ready. I'm so happy because, because that's how fast it cooks. It smells oh, amazing. It does. And, I and thank you for not catching my house on fire. I didn't catch your house or myself on fire. I appreciate because I've that. I've been known to set my fingernails on fire. Yeah. You know, so um, <laughs> I didn't do that today. I didn't want that kind of toastiness in the bananas foster. So I think what we should do is pause. We'll pause. And we should get us a little dish of ice cream and taste this while it's warm. I think that is a delightful idea. And then we can 
catch up on some things. Yes, and then you can do some housekeeping, housekeeping. And then I have a murder to tell. All right, please hold. Hold on. We're back. We are back. And we have a bowl of vanilla ice cream with bananas foster on it. And we're going to taste it right now because be we happier. can't wait. Mm -mm -mm. That's delightful. Wow. Delish. Holy moly. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm. So we wanted to do a little a shout out mm -hmm. to our friends at Parker's Peanuts in Cortland, Virginia. Oh, my gosh. Yummy. They make some fantastic mm. peanuts. We got a big old order. I got regular peanuts. Like just normal flavor, and I got Cajun. Mm. I like to combine the two in a little bowl. Now, are the Cajun real spicy? I didn't get. Cajun. I don't think that they're overly spicy, mm -hmm. but I do like to put them in a bowl with the with the plain ones. Yeah, just to, to the, break it up. The sea salt ones, right, right, and just break it up a little bit, and it makes it for a nice little mix when you're cooking dinner, and you just need a little. You got a little spot. Uh -oh. your dog. With Trump the, has accidentally moved his peanut butter bowl onto the hardwood floor. I didn't mean it. So anyway, and the other thing that we got, I got some chocolate-covered peanut brittle mm -hmm. that is unfreaking real. Yeah, I got it's that too. So, it's so good. good. And then um, chocolate-covered peanuts. We got chocolate-covered peanuts that are out of this world, guys. So if you all want to taste a really good peanut that represents where we're from, y'all need to get a hold of Park Peanuts. Yeah, Parker's Peanuts. Yes. Look for them. Just Google it. You'll find Just it. Just Google it. Cortland, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And shout out to my friend Lynn because we went to high school together. We grew up together. Isn't that something? I know. It's crazy. Small yeah, world. Now I'm eating her nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew, Lynn? I was going to eat your nuts. She came right up and ate her nuts. I did. I did. So that's some shout. That's some shouting out. That's some shouting out. <laughs> what else? This week we did our. We finished <gasps> our improv class. We did. We had our um, recital. We did. <laughs> We had so many people that came out and supported us, which was super nice. My whole family came, even though I asked them not to. <laughs> I had two friends that, well, three friends that came, and then one of my friends brought her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend. So, so fun. I mean, I packed the house packed with the my house. people. Way to go. Yeah. And, well, your son was working, or mm. he would have been there. Mm -hmm. And then um, I just want to shout out to our instructor, Josh. He did an incredible job. That'd be Joshua Christian. Yes. He and he is um and he's a an amazing instructor and we found out at the end of class that it was the first time he'd ever taught class. Oh my gosh, she was such and a And I said, teacher. I thought you were just a crusty old professor that'd been <laughs> doing this forever. And he's like, No, I was it was the first time I ever taught a yeah. class. So he did such a great job and we met so many awesome and incredible people. So that's so he's part of a, a group called Super Grouper. Yeah. They are a little improv group. They're amazing. And they, they do perform around in the Charleston area. If anybody's around in the Charleston area, you should go see them. They perform in different, at different theaters around. And what was the name of the theater we, we did our class in? Um, South of Broadway Theater. Yes. In um, North Charleston. And that little theater is per the perfect size to me. It's not huge. It's yeah, not. It's not intimidating. No. <laughs> so it was, it was perfect. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I mean, just food for thought. It would be the perfect size for you and I to do a live show. Wouldn't it, though? Just saying, I don't know how people feel about it. If you're listening in the Charleston area and you have an opinion, let us know. Would you Would you come to our show? Would you come? Would, would you, you come? come see us? We'd probably have to charge a little money because I'm sure it costs. Yeah, because we, we've got to pay the theater back. Yeah. And I don't but, know if we'd be able to bake live or... Mm -hmm. 
I mean, honestly, if we had a microwave, we could make it work. I mean, I can make trail mix like nobody's business. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we, we could might. figure that out the logistics. Fun. But anyway, it would be a nice it, kind of something interesting to do. So, we really enjoyed the class. We met some incredible people. We people did. that I feel like we'll be friends with for a very long time. Lily was our greatest fan in that class. <laughs> yes. She she immediately started listening to this podcast yep. as soon as she found out that it existed. So she's been awesome. Yep. And uh, Mari mm-hmm. has been a really, she started following us on the gram. So has Joshua. And Joshua. Joshua. And then we had Stefan and Michael and Trenton. Trenton. And Renee. Yeah. And, and was, um, Mari's husband, Henry, wasn't in the class, but he was very supportive of us every time we And they have a little anywhere. comedy thing called R.I.P. R.I.P. Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, that's on that, um, the website for the theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we just have, we've landed in the land of improv. And I got to tell you, I was telling Ann on the way home, I think that night or sometime, Recently, I don't, all the days meshed together for me, but I was saying when we got into podcasting, we met so many podcasters that are so supportive in this community, people that we we don't even lay eyes on. We, we've never seen them. Sure. We never see them. And they are always willing to lend a helping hand, do whatever they can to support us. We all support each other and they all feel like there's enough there's enough in this life to go around for everybody. Nobody's guarding their own rice bowl, which I think is so refreshing. And then we we go into this improv comedy community, and damn if they're not the same way. I know it's amazing, and they're all they just are all rooting for you to be as successful as you can be. And yeah. I just think it's so refreshing, and I I just think it speaks very highly of humanity. Indeed. So, and I just oh, and we're so just, blessed. Let us take this opportunity right this minute to mm. say, Lyndon, if you're driving to work, have a good week. Oh, yeah. No, or if he's at work listening on a Monday morning. Right. Just know that we're eating some bananas foster. You could put it on some pancakes or a waffle. Or a scone. Or you could even put it on a scone. And I would like to know if your scones are round or triangular. <laughs> but we do love you, Lyndon. We, we love do. you like our brother from another mother in the UK. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we've covered all of our housekeeping I for now. I can't imagine. Yeah, we've got some projects coming up that'll be fun to talk about soon. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to stop eating. It's hard. I licked, my, really bowl. Good. I licked my bowl a little. I know, and I haven't... I, have, I put a lot of bananas foster and a little bit of ice cream for I me. I don't feel like I got enough ice cream or bananas foster. Well, so evidently. Might have to have a refill. Just okay. Mm. I have a murder to talk about. All right, I'd like to hear it. Oh, really? That's well, convenient. Well, yeah, I mean, I would. That's convenient. Okay. And there was my hydration. This takes place in May of 1999. All right. In this place called Utan, Nebraska. Utan, Nebraska. It's a little rural town in Nebraska. Mm. So I'm going to talk about... We haven't done any murders in Nebraska, so thank you for really reaching out there. I'm sorry, I've got a stab into my ice. My straw wouldn't go down. I know know it gets like that, and I bent my straw doing that, my metal straw. (laughs) Yeah, now when I go to suck my metal straw, it's like not very much comes out anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm have to get another one. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to talk about Sandra Schnabel. Schnabel. I think it's Schnabel. All right. Yes. Let's hear about Sandra Schnabel. So she is a beloved volleyball coach and business teacher at UTAN High School. 40-year-old mother of three small children, married to Mark, who's a 42-year-old landscape designer. Around 1 o'clock in the morning... 
on May 22nd of 1999, the fire department is called to the Schnabel property. I'm going to stumble over Schnabel every time because I want to say Schnabel, but it's not Schnabel. Are you sure? I'm positive. No, I'm positive. I did research to make sure I was saying it right. Okay. So um, they were called to the property to uh, structure fire at one o'clock in the morning. And when they arrived, they found a barn on the property totally engulfed in flames and a minivan that looked like it had crashed into the barn. The minivan was also on fire and laying next to the minivan, kind of pinned under the front wheel, was a body. Oh, Lord. That body was also smoldering. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. The scene felt odd to the first responders, and so they immediately decide, smart cookies, we're going to treat this as if it were a crime scene. That's a good idea. So they let the barn burn. Because it was already engulfed anyway, and so they controlled it as much as they could from the other side, but they tried not to water down the scene as much as possible right? Um, to preserve evidence. They were really smart. Yeah, that was smart. So upon daylight, investigators could see tire tracks that went from the road, up at the road, through two barbed wire fences and led up to the barn where the van had crashed. Two barbed wire fences? Yes, wow. through a horse field. Damn. So they said maybe somebody had pursued this person from the road. Oh, yeah, like a chase. Like, like a, a chase. Yeah. It looked like, and that's what it looked like. Somebody had chased somebody through the road. Yeah, I'm coming for you. Yeah. So um, they start looking at the body, and they figure out that that body is actually that of Sandy Schnabel. The beloved teacher. And high school volleyball coach. I mean, volleyball coach. And both. She's oh, thank both. God. Yeah, no, no. Because mine was a teacher, too. So I, oh. I was starting to get... Confused, but yeah. No, she's That's both. our tie-in. I know, there's always a tie-in. <laughs> it looked as though someone had chased her through the farm as she tried to make it to the house, but maybe she had lost control, hit the barn instead, sparking a fire, and was somehow thrown from the vehicle. Mm. Her husband, Mark, had at that point had left with the three kids to try to shield them from the carnage and the horrific scene of their mom's death. Yeah, I could see And, and they were small, <coughs> like seven four and three or something. Do you need a lozenge of some sort? I don't know. I I think I have a banana stuck in my throat. Oh, no. A banana stuck in your throat. Wow. Maybe the peeling, the uh, cutting of the banana didn't work out. Uh, No, it worked out for me. (laughs) So once the body was removed and the scene was processed, as processed as they could, investigators needed to talk to Mark to find out where Sandy had been that night. Mm Mm-hmm. So they met Mark that morning at um, his workshop on the farm. He was sitting on a like one of those ATV gators. I love those things. Mm. You know, I always wanted one. We should I mean, get I still one. want one. Well, yeah, we should. I'm sure we could do that. Yeah. So he was in the shop looking like he was still in shock. Mm. Like he was definitely just bewildered. Wow. I would say bewildered because I, I like to say that. Bewildered. Yeah, yeah. So they asked Mark about the events of the night before. He said that he and Sandy had argued about money, but it was really not a big deal. And around 9.30 p.m., she left in her minivan to go cool off. Oh, she got real mad. And he went to bed. Oh. And so he said that was the last time he saw her. And around 1 a.m., someone pounded on his door to tell him his barn was on fire. So he called 911. He also noted that at that time, Sandy was still not home. Right. They asked if maybe she was driving drunk and maybe lost control, but that's a heck of a, that's a long ways to lose control. It is. And he said neither of them ever drank. 
They were not drinkers not at drinkers. all. So they at that point. Not ghostless. They're not ghostless. <laughs> they don't know what they're missing. So at that point, Mark got physically ill in the workshop and had to walk away and stop the interview. He oh, was man. just overcome with emotions. Mm. But they still had a lot of questions. Where had Sandy gone? Was she with anyone? Had someone nefarious, <gasps> nice love word, that word nefarious. too, followed her home? And who would want to cause Sandy harm? Because it's a very small town. Everybody knew her. Right. Um, they had been to, I think, six state championships with their volleyball wow. team. Like she was a very highly respected, highly decorated coach in that town. Amazing. Everyone loved her in the small community. And she had taught for more than 10 years at the high school. And no one had a bad thing to say about her ever. So police go back to the scene to try to figure out what are we missing? Like the, they are just like, there's, there's something we're missing here. It's not adding up. So they were like, maybe this was just a freak accident, but then they get a call from the medical examiner and he says there was soot in her lungs. Oh, so she was breathing at, as she was burning. Oh my God. At the scene of the fire. And she was also covered in severe burns, mm-hmm. some right down to her bone. So what the preliminary cause of death was smoke inhalation and severe burns. Right. But also she had a fractured skull, Uh some broken ribs and some weird bruising on her back. Oh no. And they were like, we don't know if this could have been caused during the accident. Like when she was thrown from the vehicle Mm -hmm. and the coroner said, not these kind of bruises. This is not the, these are not adding up to what you would typically see in a car accident. So then they're really confused. It said that she had been struck. It looked like in the back of her head with a blunt force object. And like I said, not typical of a car accident. So about this time, the town is waking up to the news of Coach Schnabel's horrific death. And they were, so many people were distraught over the loss of her and the trauma of how it happened. They were just, I mean, this is a very small town. Yeah. They were really rocked. So at the scene, they start looking harder at these tire tracks, and they notice there are two sets, mm-hmm. one from the van, oh. and now there's a different car that looks like it had driven over some of the tracks, so that vehicle would have been behind the van. Right. So they're like, okay, so it looks like she was chased. Right. So um, now we got to find out who or what the other tracks are from. And then they were saying when she crashed and was ejected from the vehicle, did they attack her? Right. And set her on fire. Like what to cover up maybe the attack. They were really trying to figure out what the hell is happening. It's very confusing. So they take a closer look at the crash site and they notice that there's only minor damage to the barn as far as crash impact. So maybe it was more of a tap. Well, and is that enough to eject you from the car? No. Right. Most of the fire damage was actually to the front of the van. Oh, God. Right. And um, if she had been ejected, why was she right under the front tire? Right. So they said, was she ejected from the van first? And then the van kept going and stopped over her body and just kind of tapped into the barn. Like this seems like a far stretch. Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying that none of this is adding up at all. So UTAN was quite a buzz with many theories and rumors. One had one on oh (laughs) wow wow you didn't write that was that one doesn't make any sense we're gonna skip that (laughs) that little bullet point is dumb 
Okay, so on one hand, they were very upset over the loss of Sandy. But on the other hand, they're thinking, should they be worried that some maniac is out there sure. hunting down women right. and chasing them in their cars and attacking them? Oh, I think there's a maniac. Um, there's a, And it seems quite nefarious. There is a nefarious maniac. <laughs> yes. So they, they're trying to figure out, are we safe? No. So they're also trying to figure out, were was one of the schnobbles were was one of the schnobbles having an affair with the killer. <gasps> what? So Sandy's sister, Tina, goes to talk to the police. And she said that when the children were with her after the accident had happened and Mark had dropped them off, and then I guess maybe she was keeping them when he went back to talk to them that morning. Yeah. She said that the daughter had mentioned seeing her mom that night with a bloody nose sitting on the porch in a big chair. Oh. And the daughter said, I know something was wrong with mom. Mm-hmm. Tina was like, I just thought I would mention it. I didn't really ask her any questions. I just was trying to let her talk because she seemed like she had something to say. That's so, the best way to do it. Yeah. That's when you really get the truth. Yeah. We just let somebody talk, especially a child. Investigators start asking around about the Schnabel marriage, and um, no one ever saw any problems. Mark had always been seen at Sandy's games with all the kids in tow, cheering for the team. Um, and Sandy, he was a doting husband. He had his landscape business. He did his own thing. Mm-hmm. So then the police obtained a search warrant for the Schnabel home. Ah. At this point, Mark was no longer staying in the home. He was staying with neighbors and the kids. He had the kids at neighbor's house kind of, I don't know, bouncing around a little bit. But he said it was too painful to go back to the house. Right. So that was actually, that worked in their favor. Yeah. Because they were able to go through the house without Mark there. Initially, nothing was obvious out of place except one investigator found a couple of droplets of blood in the living room. Oh. But you got kids. Kids cut themselves. People cut themselves. He's got a landscape business. So they actually, they were like, well, let's bring in the luminol and just see, you know, what happens. Well, let me tell you something. That living room lit up like the New York skyline skyline at night. Like it was like hundreds and hundreds of droplets of blood. And there was some smearing where it looked like some smear. There was a little smear um, where it looked like somebody had tried to clean it up. The blood actually went from the living room all the way to the front door, and there was so much blood spatter. They it was they were saying there was like over three hundred spatters of blood, mm. but it also something caught their eye. So where the blood spatter was on the wall, it was like the wall was clear from the floor up to about waist high. And then from waist high up, it was just blood everywhere. Oh, golly. So it seemed like maybe there was a piece of furniture there. Oh. But there's no furniture there right now. Well, duh. Yeah. So they're like, okay, that's a little bit suspicious. Now the police are feeling like Mark maybe hasn't told them everything they need to know from the beginning. Really? <laughs> I know. It, it happens. It just has. Some people just forget when they actually... Oh God, I'm, I don't know where I was when I wrote these sentences, but they're not, they're not clear English. It's very sad. Anyway, they take, of course, they take samples of the blood and all that kind of stuff. And they're, fig- they're trying to figure out what kind of furniture was there. Yeah, what's missing? What's missing. Okay, so they also found a souvenir baseball bat that looked like it had droplets of blood and hair on it. So they take that to the lab as well. So then one of the investigators finds a box of family photos and they start kind of going through the photos, looking at them. And there were some pretty recent ones that 
showed that there was a whole different layout of furniture in that room than what oh, they were looking no. at. Oh, no. Like, it looked like somebody had just completely rearranged the furniture. And in one of the pictures, they noticed there's this big, white, comfy, stuffed chair on the you know next to the wall that was no longer there. Oh, wow. So they start searching the property for that chair. They go out to Mark's workshop. There's no chair, but they did start looking at that gator again and noticed there was some blood spatter on the inside of the gator, like on the floor of the gator. Right. As well as the grill of the gator. Mm. They're like, wow. What? Then they start looking at the tires on that gator. Oh, no. And they're like, these look very sim similar to the ones that seem to be chasing that van. Right. What the hell's going on here? Right. The, they take an initial analysis of the blood, and the blood from the gator comes back as Susan's type. But, you know, it's got to be sent out to the lab. Of course. And so the samples from the house also come back as her blood type. Mm -hmm. But it's... You gotta the DNA wait. analysis yeah. takes a little longer. Yeah, than and it's back wait. in the '90s, so it's you know oh my gosh. a lot slower than months it is today. Months and months, years maybe. Years, years. They know that Mark had done this by now, and they also were able to match up the bruising on Sandy's back to the front grill of that gator. <gasps> oh. So now it's getting very interesting. What the freaking hell happened? They start looking at Mark. And they discover he's in a lot of financial strife. Oh, my gosh. It's always about freaking <laughs> yes. money. He was making about $26,000 a year with his home landscaping business. But he was spending money that, like he made four times that amount. Wow. They could tell that Sandy was the manager of the money. Right. Because her name was on the bills that were being paid. Right. But on the tools and the toys that were being bought, it was his name. Oh, so he was spending it. She was trying to manage it. Right. That might have been what they argued about. Maybe. But they also discover a life insurance policy that Mark had taken out on Sandy that December. Oh, my gosh. Six months before her death. Life the, insurance is not the answer, people. No, for the, for the amount of $240,000. Hmm. So now eyebrows are raised. Mine are always in a state of raise, but yeah. <laughs> they start 24-hour surveillance on Mark to watch what he's doing. And they also hear through the grapevine that Mark is planning to leave the area with the kids and relocate as soon as the funeral is done. Mm. So they're like, we need to get a warrant right now. Yeah. Five days after Sandy's death is her funeral. Mm -hmm. It's held in the gymnasium of the school where she taught and coached. Mm -hmm. Everyone could feel her spirit in the gym that day where she had spent so much of her time, where she had touched so many lives of so many people. Over a 1,000 people attended that service. Wow. Yes. There were so many players that came back, even players and coaches from other teams. She was so well-respected. After the gym service, there was a smaller graveside service. Smaller. There were like 300 people there. So the police are watching Mark this whole time. They're in unmarked, plain-closed police officers. And they're at the funeral. You know how they do in the movies. Oh, yeah. They watch everybody. you. We're so, watching you. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Afterwards, you know, the family is lined up and people are shaking their hands like in the little condolence line. Right. Offering their condolences. And this, this lead investigator who was also like the fire investigator as well of the town, um, he gets in the back of the line. Mm, mm -hmm. That's probably good. So he goes up in the, and so Mark's mom was standing next to Mark. And of course, she's just like on autopilot at this point, like shaking people's hands. And so she takes his hand and he said, uh, Mrs. Schnabel, 
I'm very sorry for your loss. And when she, when he says that, she looks up at him and goes, oh, no, not you. So she knew. Oh. She knew. Immediately, they go to cuff Mark, and mm. Mark puts up a fight. Oh, way to go. Yeah. In front of 300 people, chairs are flying everywhere at the graveside. Jiminy Cricket. Yes. They finally wrestle Mark into the cuffs and put him in the police car and take him away. And Mark cried all the way to jail. He cried? Cried and cried. He sobbed. (laughs) The community was absolutely outraged that they had arrested Mark. They defended him. They said, he's a good guy. He's he's a great guy in the community. He's been so supportive. He's a great dad. He's like a practically a stay-at-home dad because of his businesses from his home. And, you know, he supports Sandy and all of her crazy hours with teaching and coaching and traveling and all that stuff. They were all very much in support of Mark until they hear the evidence in court, which included interviews of Mark's children. Oh, Lord. After his arrest. Mm. Oh, and there are three children. The son who was the oldest, told the child psychologist he had awoken to hear his dad beating up his mom. He could hear her screaming and crying, and he could hear the attack. He went, started to go downstairs to see what was going on. His dad caught him coming downstairs and screamed at him to go back and get in his bedroom. So he laid there and listened to the whole thing. Oh. Yep. Now, The older girl also talked to the psychologist, and she said that both of the girls were awakened by their mom's screams and crying. There was a big commotion. So they snuck downstairs, and they see their mom with a bloody nose in the chair, Mm -hmm. but the mom in the chair had been moved out to the porch, and mom was sleeping. Oh, no, no, no. Dad caught them yelled at them for them to go back upstairs to bed and to not come back downstairs until morning. Mommy's sleeping in the chair I've moved down onto the porch. And she's got a bloody nose. The big white comfy chair. Yes. June 1st, there's a court hearing, and they charged Mark with first-degree murder, and, of course, Mark pleads not guilty. Of course, because why would he? Of course, as you're waiting for the court date, you are still trying to build your case. And right. So police are still trying to build their case because they know a lot of it is circumstantial. They've not gotten, they just need, they they don't have a murder weapon. Well, because the, that comes back inconclusive. So they don't have a murder weapon. They don't have a chair. They know that she was attacked, but does that mean he attacked her? They're trying to piece it all. They got to tie this together. Go to the barn. And they need physical <laughs> evidence. Physical evidence. <laughs> They can't use the baseball bat as the murder weapon, like I said. So investigators really need to find that damn chair. they got to find the chair. They actually use cadaver dogs. Oh, um, right, because, yeah, it would pick yeah, up the scent. To search all over Mark's property. Brilliant. And they can't find it anywhere. Yeah, because it's... The defense then has Sandy's body exhumed. Oh. And they want their own autopsy. Oh. And their medical examiner comes back and says, Sandy was dead at the fire. She had no soot in her lungs. And the bruising and the damage to the body was exactly what you would see in a car accident. Oh, my How God. convenient. That was convenient. Very convenient. that every They disputed everything the original autopsy and said. And that just makes me mad because that makes me feel like somebody's being dishonest. And they're being paid to be dishonest. And right. they're accepting that and money. And you're a medical examiner. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes. That just it's, really it's very it's me. very very frustrating. He actually ruled her death an accident. Oh my god! 
So now the state investigators are desperate because they know they've got a lot to prove in court. There's a nearby farmer adjacent. There's a farm adjacent to Mark's farm. Mm -hmm. He's out one day mowing a field and his blades. He's hit. mowing it. He's mowing, a, mowing field, a field. Like on one of them big mower things. Mowing is a mower. Yeah. Wasn't a push mower. Maybe. No, God, no. He was a riding. It was a, like a tractor mower. Okay. But his blades hit something protruding from the ground. Oh. He goes and digs up this thing, and it's a plastic button bucket. That's not a button. It's not a button. It's a whole bucket. A whole bucket. And there are rags and sh and a shirt stuffed into this bucket, and there's blood and on the rag and the shirt, and it smells like bleach. So some brilliant asshole has now dug a hole and put an entire bucket mm -hmm. in the hole yes. with the crap in it. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And one more wow. Oh, no. Save save a wow. Oh, gosh. Because the shirt had this name tag sewn on it, <laughs> and that name tag read Mark. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Mark. You put uh, your work shirt in the in the bucket. Uh -huh. <laughs> the crime lab determines that the blood on that shirt was Sandy's. Ugh. That's right. Now they are really saying, okay, we've got we've got a little bit more evidence. And they felt like this was almost like divine intervention because the trial was literally a month away. Wow. Yeah. And it just claimed enough to unbury this edge of this bucket. This man just happened to go over with his mower and just happened to say, maybe I need to show this to the police. Yeah. There was another farm on the other side of Mark. Do you think when he hit it, he said, what in the Sam Hill is I this? think he did. Yeah, I, I think, think so he too. did. He definitely said Sam Hill. <laughs> there was another farm on the other side of Mark's She's farm. She's pointing like to the other know, side. Y'all can't see, see it. But I to just the wanna... opposite side of where I pointed the first time. I'm so it's very know. clear where these are. Whatever. I'm trying to help y'all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This neighboring farmer, one day he's out walking his property. He goes back to this tool, like this shed where he, there was old like tools, equipment and stuff like that. And around the back of it is sitting this weird stuffed chair. Well, look at there. Sandy Claus done brought me a chair. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? What the Sam hell what the is Sam this hell doing? What the Sam hell is this? Calls the popo. <laughs> Hey, police. And he says, y'all might want to come look at this chair. The police go, and the way that it was sitting up against this barn, mm -hmm. it had been through countless, this is years, Count, not years. This was, that was a year. It had been through all sorts of weather. Sure. Lots of rainstorms, loads and loads of rain. There might have even been a dang a tornado. tornado. A tornado. Do they have tornadoes in Nebraska? Sure in Nebraska. In Nebraska. I have just abbreviated the state to Nebraska. <laughs> that is the that is the way that we will refer to it from now on in geography class. <laughs> You'll have to look at our dictionary. It's in there. It's in the sugar coated murder dictionary <laughs> under Nebraska. N, N for Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the police take the chair, and the chair is in perfect condition, perfect, pristine, undisturbed condition, full of blood. Wow. Full of blood. Full, full up. Fold up of blood. So they take it in. It matches Sandy's blood type. Start processing that shit right now. That's right. Now they're going to court with a lot of good physical evidence. Yeah, they And they are. are feeling really good. Feel good. Yes. Uh -huh. This is what they have put together with the evidence on what they think happened that night. Yes, they fought. Okay. They probably fought about his spending habits and what a jackass he was. At some point, he bashed in her head. Right. He took her in the chair in the van 
Okay. Yeah. Hid the chair on one property <laughs> and took the van to the barn. Hey, neighbor, don't yes. mind me. And at some point, they think Sandy actually starts to come too <gasps> and tries to escape and starts running away. Oh, at which gosh. point, he runs her down with that gator. Ugh. That's the because that gator had this these two bars that went across straight across like pipes right that went across the grill and that's exactly what those bruises were. At some point, it looks like he he ran her down, takes her back to the van, jacks it up, pins her down under it. She's still alive. Oh my gosh! And but now she can't get away. Okay, so he leaves her there, goes back, cleans up the whole crime scene because he doesn't he needs to clean it up before the kids get up. Takes the chair to one farm, drops it off, takes the bucket to the other farm, buries it in the field, and then goes and sets fire to Sandy and the barn. That's what they think happens. And at that point, she was still alive. She was still breathing. So he had pinned her under the van. So she couldn't get away if she came back to. Went and did all the stuff, came back, and then moved the van. So her body was... He parked the van at the barn, made it look like a car crash. He had done that to begin with. And then, because oh. he wanted to leave her body in the oh, van. Oh, so he must have had, had a truck or something. He took the stuff to the other farms. There must he have took been. it on the gator. On the gator. He took it on the gator. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he took the, no, he took the chair in the van. He took Sandy and the chair in the van and dropped the chair off and then dropped Sandy in the van at the barn. Okay. To stage took to the Sandy. bucket in the gator. Gotcha. And then when he cleaned up, he, he took it in with the gator and took it back over, over to the other. Don't mind me, barn. neighbor. I'm just, I'm just digging a hole digging in the up field. Worms. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, that's what they're saying that happened. And then he goes back at, to bed and goes home and goes to bed. What a crappy neighbor. That's just not neighborly. To kill your wife and then dump all the evidence to on your farm. dump all the evidence on your farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not nice. At this point, Marky Mark decides to reach a plea deal because him scared now. They done figured him out. Right. They found the bucket and the damn chair, and he's saying, "What? He's saying what? The Sam hell? What in the Sam hell am I gonna do now? Now what am I gonna do about the state of Nebraska coming against me?" <laughs> um, he decides in a plea deal that he would confess to second degree murder, and he would agree to twenty five years to life. No and that's death penalty. Sweet no death penalty. That's really sweet. But something happens in the paperwork. He's supposed to serve at least 12 and a half years because in Nebraska, you have to serve 50% of your, of your sentence before you get paroled. Well, after 10 years, he gets granted parole. Oh my gosh. He gets granted a parole hearing, excuse me, a parole hearing. So many people attended on Sandy's behalf. They actually had to move the venue of the hearing. Wow. Over 30 people showed up, and more than 100 letters came in from the community on why that man needed to stay in jail. Good. Yes. And her family, of course, showed up, and they talked about how they lived in fear that if he ever gets out, the kids and Sandy's family are not safe. No, they're not safe. At this point, his older daughter is 21 years old, and she goes to the parole hearing. Good. His mom is there as well and pleads to please let him out because he's a good he's a good he's son a good and he was boy. always a good dad. He's a good boy. Took a great good dad. care of those kids. Yeah. In spite of Sandy's work schedule. Don't, don't worry yeah. that he, you know, made yeah. them cower in their rooms while he beat her to death with a bat and yeah. then ran her over mm-hmm. while they were still scared. That's it's but he's he was a good, a good dad. dad. I mean he was always a good so boy. Good. He never gave us any trouble. No. The older daughter talks to pleads at the parole hearing and the, and she talks about what she saw and the last time she saw her mother 
and how she snuck down and saw her dad cleaning up her mom's blood with the bucket. Mm. And she talks about how all three of the children will always be traumatized by what they saw and heard that night. And this is a quote from her. I lost my mom, my home, my family, and my childhood that night. I am asking you, pleading with you to give me a chance to live my life. Keep him behind bars. Unanimously, he was denied parole. Way to go, Braska. And then in November of 2017, there was another parole hearing. Mm -hmm. He was denied. Good. He is still in the Braska state state pen, state pen. State pen. Because that's what they call prisons in Braska. It's called the pen because I like I'm really connected to the people now, so I know their lingo. So um, if somebody from Braska could just email us and back me up on all that. But here's the scary part. His next parole hearing is December of 2021. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping he stays his ass in jail. Yeah. Because it's 25 years to life, so they can continue to deny him parole. I think they will. I hope so, because those kids do not want their daddy out walking the streets. No. He has asked to be paroled and sent to South Dakota so that he can take care of his ailing mom. For heaven's sake. You know, because he's, he's such always a good, a good son, boy. Right, yeah. yeah, he was always such a good son. No. That was a crazy, nasty, ugly tale of murder and cover-up. Indeed. And he was quite nefarious. It was nefarious. It was, And it was bewildering. I was bewildered by the whole nefariousness in Braska. <laughs> in Braska. And don't get don't get sent to the print in no, Braska. No, no. Because they're not going out. Mm-mm. That's my murder. Wow, that was crazy. That was a couple crazy murders. Couple, couple, two, three. Couple, two, three. Couple, crazy two, murders. three, four, five murders. Yeah. That's it. That's okay. Bye, y'all. <laughs> see ya. See ya. We're just, we're out. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so we have social media. Yes, we have a fan page in Facebook on Facebook, and it is Sugar Coated Murder Podcast fan page. It's a group. Ask to join it. Be part of the fun, yeah. and you'll see things. I think our biggest following though comes on the gram. The gram, it's that's where that's where the liveliness seems to be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interaction mm-hmm. there. There's a lots of people there. We get a lot yeah. of followers there, and so a lot of love. We get a lot of love. We on got the a lot. We get a lot of love. Now the difference is on the fan page on Facebook, you get the the link fresh, hot off the press as soon as we put it put the recording on. Podbean, you get the link to go in and listen to it immediately. Hot potato. We do not. It usually takes us until the next day before we alert the rest of the public. Right. Even on the gram. So on the gram, it's a lot of fun. But if you want to really be connected, be on both of them. Right. So that's my thing. And we've gotten a lot of emails lately. Guys, we are so, we're so over the moon with, with people's. Sending Send us, us stuff. We have uh, Mary Beth that sent us a recipe. Yeah. She sent us um, some really juicy details about some stuff. Yeah. She sent us murders to look into. Um, we have Kristen that emailed us very recently who um, has been asking about some of the um, missing persons cases that we've, we've heard from posted. Lauren recently. Lauren has sent us. Jamie. Yeah. I mean, we've got guys and we love it. Yeah. We feel so loved and so... and. Like, I'm just saying, anybody that emails us between now and October 31st, you're invited for Thanksgiving. There you go. That's it. There you Thanksgiving. go. Thanksgiving. We're all trying to figure out how to do a, a sugar-coated murder Thanksgiving <laughs> with all of our friends. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a pipe so, dream. One it day. is a pipe Maybe dream, one but day. it's okay. Maybe that's what we'll do at the theater is we'll just do a Thanksgiving. The theater. We'll do a Thanksgiving. Yes. And we'll just like hand out turkey sandwiches. There. That's And great. talk about murder. There. <laughs> <laughs> it might be fun. I don't know. It might work. Yeah. Guys, um, let us hear from you. Let us know you're out there. Tell your friends and family. Go on and rate us and review us on Apple or Spotify because those are the two main places that all of the data is brought in on the metrics of our podcast. And why that's important is it makes us easier to find for other listeners, which helps us grow our podcast. We just are trying to grow. We're just trying to grow and keep this thing going. We want it to just keep going. I'd like to be 90 and still doing this, if you don't mind. And also, um, just in case you have Alexa, we have Alexa, and everybody is Alexa. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. You should go on to your Alexa app and add, go to your skills and type in how to slay in the kitchen, and you will get a kitchen tip from Ann and I every single day on how to slay in your kitchen the way we slay in our kitchen. It's hacks, it's tips, it's tricks. It's so much fun. You get to hear our voices every freaking day. Who wouldn't want that? Amen, And the the catch is, until I figure out something different, uh, you have to ask Alexa to play your flash briefing for you every day, but that's okay. And then you get a different one every day. That's a lot of fun. Um, I can't think of anything else we have to say. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. We've we've did good. Talked. We did. We've communicated. Yes, there's we've, been cooking. There, we've eaten. That's a good thing. We've Ate, hydrated. Hydrated. Mm-hmm. We've bewildered and nefarious. Yeah. And um, we got a new mic, so we're we've got we're a, testing out a new, new mic. Let us know if you can tell the difference. I don't know if anybody will be able to tell the difference, but I'm hoping we will be able to tell the difference exactly. because we did. We upgraded. We upgraded. Yeah, and we are still brewing our vanilla. It's still out there brewing. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have that in a couple of months for you all to purchase. Keep those donations so, coming. Yeah, so we can keep that vanilla going. Buy me a coffee. Yes. I don't know if the sale is over, but you should go to Tee Public and see if our merchandise is still on sale. It was on sale for 35% off. That's yeah, really Yeah, we had deal. somebody buy a bunch of magnets. Yeah, that's so exciting. Thanks, Mama. Thanks, Mama. <laughs> She's so sweet. She supports us so well. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we love you. We do. We Stay love you. Stay sweet. And don't murder. If you kill people, we will talk about you. Yeah, girl, we will. And we love y'all. We do. Peace out. Bye. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 